Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your guest host this week, Phil Danko, and this week we will discuss the Cleveland Indians' obvious slight to this podcast, the passing of two legends, some bracketology, and award shows. Who needs them? I'm joined again tonight by two of the best ever, Tom Burke. Welcome back. I'm very happy to be back. And Jason Gerber, welcome to your podcast. Thanks, buddy. It's great to be here. (laughs) I got to say, this is a lot like uh, Will Ferrell being asked to guest host the uh, Late Show, and his first guest is David Letterman. You kind of think like <laughs> Letterman probably could have done the show that night. He just didn't want to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> Even the greats feel that way sometimes, Enko. All right, let's start tonight with you, Tom. Oh, thank you. Theodore Roosevelt was our 26th president, and it is universally acknowledged that he was one of our two greatest presidents with the last name Roosevelt. What is also widely known is that Teddy and his family loved animals, so much so that they collected quite the menagerie at the White House, including a zebra, a parrot, a couple bears, a lion, a coyote, a one-legged rooster, and a hyena named Bill that he received from Menelik II, the emperor of Ethiopia, in 1904. My question is a two-parter to you tonight, Burke. Have you ever received an exotic pet from a world leader? And if you could choose an exotic or non-traditional pet, what would it be and why? (laughs) No, I have never received an exotic pet from a world leader. I'm sure that's surprising to all the listeners you would think that i would at least get like a cheetah or something from someone i'm assuming that maybe this question comes from the fact that joe biden's uh, animals are attacking all of the uh the, the people trying to work at the uh, white house i just wanted oh. to know oh, okay i just wanted to know if you if you had to choose an exotic pet yes. what would it be and why uh an exotic pet i'm gonna say a lemur because they are fun they're good on uh, cartoons that I watch with my kids. I've watched uh, the Madagascar um, shows with my kids and the lemurs. They're hilarious and they're uh, a lot of fun. So I'm going to go with the lemur. I would like one right now, actually, if you could go ahead and send me one. I think that's a, a great answer. Uh, King Julian is, is hilarious. Yes, King Julian is awesome. All right, on that note, let's start our at-home segment with some tribe talk um, to further prove that the Cleveland Indians front office does not listen to this podcast. (laughs) After last week, we anointed Mike Freeman as the most obvious uh, choice for the tribe's utility infielder. (laughs) They promptly promptly traded him to the Cincinnati Reds for some cash. (laughs) Nice, nice. Everybody can use some cash. So... So Gerber, who does this open the door for to fill the all-important utility infielder role for the 2021 Cleveland Indians? I think it's still probably Yu Chang or Arias because Arias is continuing to hit the ball really well. And I understand it's only spring training, but he's hitting, I think, something like 400 or 500 so far. You know, they're, they're saying he's, he can make all the plays in the field, too. It's definitely not going to be Rosario anymore because they're working that dude out in center field now. So to update you uh, to the minute. Okay. Arias was optioned to the minors. <laughs> so, Ouch. Okay. Yeah. You change. Uh, go with you change. Correct. You're correct about Rosario. He's he's going to go ahead and play the outfield now, which I don't know what that says about our outfielders. Yeah, Yu Chang's probably the best bet. Uh, he's currently hitting 294, three home runs and six ribbies in, in 17 at-bats in spring training, which is not bad. Burke, moving on from the the all-important utility infielder position. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's dive as deep as we can into uh, the only position we haven't touched on yet this spring training is, is DH. So uh, what kind of production does this Cleveland Indians team need out of the DH? Well, obviously you're looking at Fran Mill Reyes. Um, He is the DH. Obviously he's a big dude. That's not necessarily very good in the, uh, the field. If he is in the field, he's at first base, but he's the DH period. He actually had a very good year last year. Unfortunately, he started to kind of tail in that, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, he wasn't playing as well. I think he's, he's got a nice stick. As far as our offense goes, we're, we're struggling for offense, no matter what. Um, he is one of the bright spots in this offense, which is, you know, obviously not saying much. He's going to be the DH, um, I think pretty much throughout the year. So Burke, what are your thoughts on platooning Reyes and Bradley at first in DH? To update you with Fran Mill, he is uh, currently batting 214. He, he had right. one home run. Bobby Bradley is hitting 389. 
two home runs, nine ribbies. Uh, this is still spring training. Um, these guys are not getting a ton of at bats. Uh, they're trying to, you know, work the young guys um, and get them some some work. I also like Bobby Bradley at first. Bobby Bradley has had a huge spring training. Um, he's been hitting the crap out of the ball, and I think he needs. Come on, with this team. Let these young guys play, you know, maybe get some excitement behind these young guys. Let Bobby Braley play at first. Let Fran Mill DH get some big guys in the lineup that hopefully are going to hit some home runs. I mean, that's kind of where this team is going. I mean, you just, you don't have a lot to be excited about. So let's get some of this offense in there and hopefully roll with that. Gerber, will uh, Fran Mill produce at the DH position and how important is that for this year's team? Well, they need it because... We keep saying week after week after week that their biggest problem is going to be the fact that they're not going to score a lot of runs. And you you couple that with a bullpen that might not be real solid at the back end, and that's a recipe for losing a lot of games. I don't know that I'm as confident maybe as Tommy just sounded talking about Fran Mill. Dude strikes out a ton. Uh, and I get that, you know, when he gets a hold of one, he can hit it a really long way. But I, I guess I'm just a little bit wary always of power hitters who strike out a lot because it's just so feast or famine with them all year. It would be wonderful if that dude became a 250, 260 batting average, 40 home runs, 120 RBI guy. I mean, that would be a wonderful thing to have in the middle of that lineup. I'm not Can sure. I throw something out there? Who is <laughs> hey, the, hey, hey, I'm hosting. Who is, ahead, a, who is a better option at the DH at this I, point? I get that. I, I understand fully. That wasn't. Phil's question. Phil's question was, "Okay, what I'm taking another way." Oh, see, this is what we've missed with Burke not on the pod. I like this. <laughs> I like the, the disagreement. This is good. I don't know that there is a better option. I'm just not yeah. sure that he is the answer. But right. I do think I some you. of these young guys, and maybe because it is spring training, and you know the numbers in spring training can kind of be inflated, especially hitting numbers, because you never know if you're going against the other teams like a guys or or B guys or pitchers are working on different things in spring training than just trying to get out sometimes, you know, you don't know, but it seems like some of these young guys are really hitting. Like, I think it's gotta be Bobby Bradley's time to get serious at bats and serious innings. Now he's been coming up long enough and putting up good numbers in the minors for a a couple of years now. So he has to make that step. So hopefully he's there. Hopefully Naylor is hitting maybe more than we think. And uh, J-Ram comes back to a, a better season than maybe we've seen from him the last couple of years, more like what we saw 2016, 2017, maybe. Then maybe they're scoring more runs than we think. That's a that's an awfully optimistic way of looking at it. A whole bunch of things right. have to go right for exactly what I just yeah. said to happen. Well, and that, that actually kind of segues into my next uh, topic pretty well. And, and while I agree with you, we got to get Bobby Bradley's bat in the lineup. I mean, it's his time, right? Like he, he yeah. seems to be tearing it up. Um, I, I looked back uh, as we decided we're going to do periodically throughout this year, we're going to look back to 1991 because 30 years ago, our friendship Obviously. began. So I look back at our wonderful 1991 Cleveland Indians. Oh, oh yeah. And oh yeah. I took kind of a deep dive today and, and <laughs> bear with me here. I'm going to, I'm going to run you around our starting lineup around the field and into the pitching staff. 1991 Cleveland Indians at catcher, Joel Skinner. Back up, a young Sandy Alomar, 25 years old. First base, Brooke Jacoby. Second base, Mark Lewis. Shortstop, Felix Vermeen. I knew that one. Third base, a 22-year-old Carlos Baerga. Left field, 24-year-old Albert Bell. Center field, Alex Cole. Right field, hard-hitting Mark Witten. And our DH was Chris James. Our starting pitchers were led by... A very young Greg Swindell and an even younger Charlie Nagy, and then the elder statesman and Tom Candiotti. And our closer that year was Steve Olin, God rest his soul. That team went 57 and 105, which put them seventh place in the American League East because back then there was only an East and West. Right. Seventh place, yeah. if in case you don't remember, is last. <laughs> had to be. <laughs> No, no way only, no way a team only won 56. <laughs> yeah. 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 They had to, to be it, middle of the pack. To make it even better <laughs> on the shores of Lake Erie, the 57 wins was, in fact, the worst record in all of Major League Baseball that year. Oh, hard to believe. The manager was Johnny McNamara. He went 25 and 52 and was fired after 77 games, leaving way to Mike Hargrove, who 
coached the last 85 games and had almost exactly the same record, oh. <laughs> 32 and 53. <laughs> so now that we, we've all gone back to 1991, my question uh, for you, Burke, is this. Yes, sir. Is there, on the 2021 Cleveland Indians team, is there a Carlos Baerga, someone who is up and coming, but maybe not playing at the position that they're going to cement themselves in for years to come? That's a great question. I, uh, good job, Phil. You're, you've always been... Uh... One of my favorites as far as questions go. Now, I don't I don't know about as far as like a player that is going to be play a different position. I I, I guess I, I don't see it that way necessarily. I look at it as Bobby Bradley is a guy that maybe you don't necessarily think that he's your solidified first baseman, but yet takes over the position is gonna is gonna be because you can't keep that stick out of the lineup. Do you think there's a 2021 version of Albert Bell on this team? And and before you answer that, let me let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, the 1991 Albert Bell led the team in home runs with 28, doubles with 31, and RBIs with 95. Is there anyone on the current roster that can uh, produce those numbers? I don't see that kind of talent. And I think it was a tough thing for for Tom to look at too in his because I don't think I see a talent like Bayerga either. Now, I don't know if we knew... I feel like we knew uh, Albert Bell was going to be awesome in 1991. I don't know if we knew that about Carlos as well, but those guys went on to become two of the the best players this franchise entire history. So I don't think I see it. I think if there's a guy who has a chance of being Albert like, it's probably Bobby Bradley. I mean, it's a, it's a guy that's going to hit for power and and drive in runs in the middle of the lineup, hopefully for the the next five or six years. I don't know that it's Fran Mill. Uh, and there's another guy, and his I, his name is escaping me. Is his last name Johnson? Yeah. You think of his stick, Burke. <laughs> great stick, great stick. You know me, I love a great stick. In 1991, I don't think we knew what we were going to have in Carlos Baerga. He was playing third base. I don't even remember him playing third base. He was 22 years old. We probably knew what we were going to get in Albert Bell. Uh, he was 24 at the time, so pretty pretty young guys, uh, similar to what we're looking at this year. The thing that surprised me the most there was our backup catcher, Sandy Alomar Jr., 25-year-old. He ended up catching maybe 50 games that year and was easily the third best offensive producer during that time. Wow. So I just drew some parallels between the 1991 terrible tribe team that had a lot of talent kind of on it, buried a little bit, and in this year's team. Let's just hope we amass more than 57 wins. Yeah, we so. got to be able to get 58. Yeah. We, <laughs> if, if Vegas, if Vegas, give, Vegas gives us that over-under, um, I say we take the over and have some confidence <laughs> that they can win 58 games. <laughs> Well, moving on, quick Cavs update. In case you guys haven't noticed, uh, the second half of the season has begun, and Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love return to the lineup, and the Cavs promptly dropped that game to the Pelicans by 36 points. They scored nine points in the third quarter, the Cavs. Wow. Nine points. Did the Is Pelicans this... score eight? No, unfortunately, the Pelicans <laughs> scored somewhere in the I'm going to guess no. <laughs> <laughs> So they got me to thinking like nine points in a quarter, please. Let's hope that's not some sort of record, another dubious record for one of my Cleveland teams. Yes. So I looked it up and not only is it not a record, but the record is ridiculous in the modern era. So shot clock era. And this is actually pretty recently. The fewest points in a quarter is two for the listeners at home that don't follow basketball. One basket inside the three point <laughs> line is worth two points. The really? 1997 Dallas Mavericks and the 2004 Golden State Warriors uh, hold that dubious honor. So we don't wow. have to worry about that. My question, Gerber, since you're on board with the Cavs making the playoffs, will they get it together with the roster intact and make a run at that final playoff spot in the second half? I think they will. As long as they can stay healthy, they're back now with Nance back and with Love back. It's the first time I think the entire season that they've had kind of this restructured lineup after the trade. I think they're going to be fine. And I also think the East is full of some rotten teams. So there are teams for the Cavs to catch. I actually think they're not going to make the playoffs at all. Um, I think this is going the wrong way in a big hurry. And I'm going to disagree with Gerber just because it's fun. They're, they're just unwatchable. I, I try to tune in and it's just not watchable. And that's not just because of Austin Carr. Uh, it's just Jeez, not, it's wow. just not fun. To, it's just not fun to watch. Taking down the whole organization, yeah. even the announcer. Yeah. Oh, I don't AC, care. Man. Yeah, oh, I don't like care. AC. Oh God, he's God awful. And he has, he has been for about 20 years, but it's just bad. It's just not gelling at all. And I think, I think basically it started when they decided they were going to get rid of 
Andre Drummond, who is maybe the greatest player in NBA history. <laughs> when they sat him down, it's not that, you know, obviously I was a big fan of his, but they sat him down. They were like, okay, they're going to trade him. They're going to figure out, you know, something with him. It just kind of screwed with a little bit of chemistry that they actually had. From that point forward, they just have not looked good at all. And they just, they can't win games. So I, I don't see them making the playoffs actually i think it's not it's not going the right way so burke quickly have you ever been involved in a two-point quarter in your basketball career probably that's fairly sad but moving on to sadder news perhaps um we did lose a legend locally here this week in in joe tate the longtime radio play-by-play announcer for the Cavs. i'm not going to go through his lengthy career in terms of where he was and what he was doing and where he came from but he began with the Cavs when the Cavs began um he was their first announcer he was there for a little while. He left when Ted Stepien ran the team for a couple of years. I believe he went to announce Chicago Bulls games during that time, and then he came back. While the main radio play-by-play guy for the Cavs, he did do some Cleveland Indians TV broadcasts as well. He's been, you know, firmly planted in the Cleveland market his entire career. Do you guys have a favorite Joe Tate moment or call, Gerber? The Cavs game that I remember the most was the last game at Richfield Coliseum, and he would have called that game. Uh, and Shantz and I went to that game and it will forever be for me remembered as the Tim Kempton game because Tim Kempton was the white guy that sat at the end of the bench that never played <laughs> and he blew up for like 10 points and he had like this fast break two-handed dunk where it didn't look like he jumped he just raised both hands with the ball and just ran towards the hoop and dunked it and I think Tate was doing the announcing in the arena during that game too, and would have called that game as like the last one at Richfield Coliseum and the shutdown and stuff like that. So that's what I remember. You know, the thing that hits me the most about Joe Tate passing is that it was him and Herb Score and I think Nev Chandler were the three guys. Herb Score yep. calling the Indians, Nev Chandler calling the Browns when we were kids. Yep. When I listened to a lot of those games on the radio because they weren't on TV, Joe Tate is a guy who goes down as one of those voices that I'll always remember about Cleveland sports. So, Burke, how about you? A favorite Joe Tate moment or call? I was actually at a game where Joe Tate was up, uh, you know, he used to sit up in the, the middle yeah. section there. Yeah, the perch, right? They called it yes, Joe Tate yeah, perch. Yeah, the, yeah. the perch. Wasn't it Howie Chiswick? Wasn't that his name? He was the, the announcer down on the on, on the court. So when Howie Chiswick was actually going to retire, they actually did a thing at halftime where the two of them talked to each other and they put the light on Joe Tate. And the two of them talked cool. and they and they just yeah, it was it was awesome. They actually did a whole thing at halftime where the two of them talked to each other and they just said like how great it was, like through the years, did the whole thing back and forth and how they were such great friends. What a run they had with like everything that they did together. You know, what's amazing is most of our childhood and, and into our adulthood, Joe would do the games on the radio by himself. It was just yeah. him. He was play by play. He was color analyst. He was everything. Uh, he really knew the game of basketball. It, it was it was really uh, something to to hear for sure. Beyond the Cavs, though, he just loved calling games. So he would randomly call play by play for local high school games. Uh, was also the voice of the Mount Union football. Yep team but the uh the random high school play-by-play thing uh struck me as as interesting so so burke i wanted to know if joe tate showed up at one of your high school games (laughs) and he had to use one of his catchphrases and for this question the catchphrase he has to use is wham with the right hand (laughs) how would he work that into one of your high school games obviously i would have uh stolen a ball on a fast break by wham with the right hand would have been me slapping my right hand on the backboard as I laid it in. (laughs) That would have definitely been Wham with the right hand, yes. Definitely the slap of the backboard. I appreciate the honesty in your answer. That's that's good. Right. Gerber, same question to you, but what if Joe Tate was the play-by-play announcer of your everyday life? How would he use his catchphrase, wham with the right hand? Had some of my greatest moments as a father um, abusing my much smaller kids <laughs> in in basketball in our yard. So I mean, oh, it would oh, be in basketball. Well, you're yeah. editing this, so yeah, okay. Sure you no, I, didn't, I didn't know where that was going. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't physically abusing anybody. No, 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 no. No, I mean I would lower the hoop and yeah, dunk course, on yeah. my kids all sure. the time. It was fantastic. Oh, I, or I, you know, matumbo a ball like into the street. I would have loved for him to call some of my games of 21 oh. against my like young teenage kids because I was I was absolutely unstoppable. <laughs> you you could not 
you could not contain me. That is outstanding. Thank you, fellas, for taking some uh, some time to, to talk some home team sports with me tonight. Uh, let's take our first break. And when we come back, we'll discuss some things occurring in the world of sports outside of Cleveland. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Everyone loves day drinking. Am I right? Nothing better before, during, and after a game than a few beers. But what if your few beers turn into 15? If you're an average Joe, it's probably no problem. But what if you are an international podcast guest superstar? Are you worried those few beers might impact your podcast performance that night? Then you need the Berkalyzer, the only breathalyzer designed specifically for podcasters. While normal breathalyzers measure irrelevant, subjective factors like blood alcohol content, the Berkalyzer cuts to the chase and gives you real-time data about how your beers are impacting your hot takes, the length of your stories, and those perfectly timed F-bombs that show your edge. With the Berkalyzer, you never need to worry about being too sober or too drunk before you take the mic. Drink up and pod with the confidence that only the Berkalyzer guarantees. All right, welcome back to our second segment. Uh, our on-the-road segment today, we're going to start in much the same way that we ended the last one, unfortunately, with a passing of another legend. I promise to get to more lighthearted topics as we move on tonight, but this week, <laughs> marvelous Marvin Hagler passed at the age of 66. He was considered by many to be the best middleweight of all time. His record seems to bear that out, 62-3-2, 52 of those wins by knockout. He was the undisputed middleweight champ from 1980 to 1987. He defended his title 12 times before losing to Sugar Ray Leonard in a very tightly contested split decision. During his run with the title, he would run up against other middleweights like Roberto Duran, Thomas Hearns, and of course Sugar Ray Leonard. So pretty good weight class at that time. So first and foremost, do you guys consider yourselves anything more than a casual boxing fan no Burke. no i don't uh back in those days though i would say that i i watched a lot of those fights that was when it was actually entertaining so that was my next question actually um do you have a favorite Hagler moment from the 80s so let's start with you tommy any of those fights against sugar ray were just outstanding i mean he stood toe-to-toe with him sugar ray would toy with him and do his little dancing around and doing the whole thing. And you know what? Hagler would just go at him. He didn't care. Go ahead, dance around, whatever. I'm going to still pound you. And, you know, I love Sugar Ray, too. But, of course, Sugar Ray was such a cocky little prick. <laughs> hey, that bothered me. I wanted Hagler to win basically all him. those fights. You liked him. <laughs> I like him. You know, hey, he's a dick. But whatever. But I wanted Hagler to actually kind of take it to him, basically, in all those fights. I just felt like Hagler was that guy that, obviously, I'm not a fighter. But I would see myself more in Hagler. Hagler because Hagler was that guy like he's dealing with this little prick that you just want to beat the crap out of him and and so I root for the underdog but it was just always fun to watch watch those fights Burke you're you're definitely more of a Tommy Hitman Hearns to me than a than a Marvin Hagler without, without a doubt for, oh, it's for because so of the reasons. reach right it's because yeah, of the reach yeah, yeah. Exactly. I got a great jab. Reach. Yeah. I have amazing yeah. jab so Gerber same question any uh particular moment from Hagler's career that that you remember you know I never really watched a ton of boxing growing up I mean I love that Tommy was saying that he was watching these fights that Hagler had when we were like seven years old or eight years old because I was definitely not watching boxing when I was that age I think what I remember the most about all those fights was that it it was at the same time that my dad got me my first subscription to Sports Illustrated and so I was starting to get that I got that magazine every week until I think I was in college or something like that and those fights were always covered and so it wasn't something I was seeing on TV but I was reading these articles and reading the stories about his fights with Sugar Ray obviously um, and with Hearns too Th those were these strange like mythical things that I, I, I wasn't getting to see live the stories were fascinating and if there can be drama in a sports story written about something that had happened four or five days before that. Uh, there was drama reading about those fights. Well, uh, I, I had a similar experience, Gerber. I, I, I don't remember is. watching a lot of the fights in the 80s. I remember reading about the fights in Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Or I was a paper boy at the time. I would see it in the sports section the, the next day or didn't really get a chance to see a lot of the fights. I've seen them since, you know, in, in highlight reels or, you know, the, the throwback type things uh, on ESPN. Or So, Gerber, do you think we'll see a a resurgence of boxing at any time or will you think do you think it's going to continue to lose its marketing share to MMA I don't think we will I don't because I think what people really love about boxing has always been the heavyweights and I just don't yeah. think you see those guys and I, I'll tell you what kids who are growing up playing sports 
and are following heroes and, and following paths towards their sports aren't watching boxing. The best athletes are no longer growing up wanting to be Muhammad Ali or Hagler. You know, they're, they're not yeah. going up to be those. They don't want to be those guys. They want to be Russell Wilson, or they want to be a baseball player, or they want to be, you know, Steph Curry, or they want to be LeBron or something like that. So I think the talent is going to continue to go to those other sports and it's not going to go to boxing. I don't ever see boxing coming back to what it was 50 years ago when it was the number one thing next to maybe baseball to watch in sports in this country. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually, when I was growing up, I wanted to box. Uh, that was a sport I wanted to get into. And uh, my father wise beyond his years at that time said no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you play baseball instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because apparently in boxing, you take a lot of shots to the head and in baseball, Whoa. you know, they're kind of few and far between. So <laughs> that was a good call. So uh, along those lines, Burke, how would you respond if one of your kids uh, wanted to pursue a career in boxing? Uh, same way I respond when they want to play football. At this point, I actually say no. I, I don't want them playing mm. football. I don't want them playing tackle football. I've got kids that are pretty big kids too. They're bigger than most of the kids in their classes. They can probably do pretty well in football. I don't want them playing football. I, I don't want them doing it. You really think about it. I, I think back to when I played even in, in grade school and we had the worst equipment you could possibly think of. Just all hutch to, gear? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> we I mean, we had drills where you would you, you stand 15 yards apart and they're like, okay, run at each other and just hit each other. It was the dumbest stuff you could ever think of. Who knows what damage that does? Probably a lot because, I mean, my God, look at me. I'm, I'm a disaster. Yeah. Evidently, um, a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's just awful. So, yeah, yeah, I don't want that for my kids. That's an interesting parallel. I did not I did not take that leap from boxing to football, but I, I understand what you're saying. Um, maybe some comparison between those two sports is in the technique, and it's all about how the technique is coached at this time. When we were coming up, I mean, I'm pretty sure we were – taught to use our helmet as a weapon, you know, as we're playing yeah, football. Sure. I don't know that I would immediately say no. I, I think I'd really want to know what kind of situation are we getting into here um, from a coaching, from a technique perspective? Because the other part of that is what if your child is a really, really good boxer or a really, really good football player? But again, uh, interesting, interesting take for sure. Let's move on to some more lighthearted topics <laughs> if we can, <laughs> if you guys don't mind. Today is Selection Sunday for the 2021 NCAA College Basketball Tournament. The bracket was just announced about an hour ago, but we'll get to that. Gerber, if I could have you please explain to our listeners our annual bracket challenge, what the cat tank is, and how it relates to our NCAA bracket competition. We have, I think now for maybe eight years, seven years, we've run it the same way. Group of high school buddies, usually about nine of us who are submitting brackets, the winner has in the past gotten free drinks on the Friday night of our yearly trip every fall. And the loser has to wear a tank top that is covered completely in the faces of cats. And the cat tank was actually discovered while we were looking for Miller's wallet on our first yearly trip ever when we were in Austin. And Denko, you found the cat tank under your bed in the place that we were staying in. I did. So the loser has to wear the cat tank out on Friday night. None of us look great in a tank top. Most I of us don't. I think you guys have looked great. Most of us, most of us don't look good in a tank top. Uh, and so it's pretty funny and and pretty embarrassing. And I do think I am the only two-time consecutive loser who had to wear the cat tank and then we also had the the covid tournament year last year where we didn't have a tournament so i had it again for this last trip because i held on to it pretty soon we might start calling it the gerber which is embarrassing <laughs> but, um, that's that's our challenge and um, i'm looking forward to hopefully not being the worst again this year well one one little piece of information to add to that Excellent description, by the way, is the fact that the cat the cat tank is I'm guessing a men's small in size. <laughs> it it it's really cozy. doesn't fit any of us exactly. <laughs> well, weird. this year's tournament will be unlike any previous tournaments for sure. Uh, certainly better than last year's since last year's didn't occur. But this year they're going to run the entire tournament in the Indianapolis area using. Uh, Sites like Lucas Oil Stadium, Bankers Life Field House, Mackey Arena, which is up in Purdue, and the uh, Hinkle Field House, which is Butler University's home court, but perhaps more famously known for part of the set of the Hoosiers movie. So, Burke, do sure. you think 
there's a team in this year's field that can win running the picket fence. <laughs> well, all of them, really. I mean, all of them. <laughs> how, could, how could you not win running the picket fence? I mean, you know, that's the greatest play ever. I think that the team that's going to win with the picket fence will be Ohio State because <laughs> obviously Chris Holtman, who coached at Butler, and that was his home court, would run the picket fence. And we're going to run it for Dwayne Washington. He's going to drain three. Like that, you said we in that. Uh, we'll get to that part of these this line Damn of questioning right. as well. So the early Vegas odds of winning the tournament, as you might expect, are the one seeds. Uh, Gonzaga's the top odds, then followed by Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. Gerber, if you had to choose a champion in a way too early look at the bracket, uh, who you got winning it this year? Boy, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Gonzaga can run the table because it's been a really long time since an undefeated team you know, finished the season that way and won the tournament. I tried to watch more basketball this past week than I have for most of the year. And that Baylor Oklahoma state game, I think on Thursday night was absolutely fantastic. Both of those teams are loaded with athletes, shooters, size. They were, that was a fantastic game. And it's hard for me to imagine too many other teams that are going to match up with either one of them and be able to like continue scoring points the way that those two can. If I was going to pick somebody other than like the real obvious choices, I think it might be that Oklahoma state team. So Burke, same question. If you had to pick a champion and I, I don't even know why I'm asking you this <laughs> in this way, <laughs> way too early. Look at the bracket who you got winning the whole thing. It's not going to be what you, what you think. Oral Roberts. Um, <laughs> going to be Oral Roberts uh, or maybe. Roberts. Uh, All right, something we can bleep. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio State's had a great season. Obviously, I would love to see them go the distance, but the problem with Ohio State is they don't have the size. Uh, They struggle against anybody with size, and unfortunately, everybody in the Big Ten has size. We, we, again, Ohio State goes into these games, and their main big men are 6'8", basically, is their tallest guy. It doesn't work. Um, if they face anybody, let's say Or Roberts has somebody that's 6'11 and is a good scorer, they're going to struggle. Um, so they can't can't really match up well. Uh, the Big Ten has been the best conference yeah, all sure. year. Yep. Yep. Easy, easily. It's not even close. If I were to pick a team to go ahead and win this whole thing, I'm going to go with Illinois. Ohio State played them tough today. It was a long tournament. Everybody's been playing day after day. Give Illinois some time to rest. They got some good talent, and they have size. Um, their big man is enormous. Coffee. Coffee. Uh, his last name. Uh, it's a coffee. Oh, Cockburn. <laughs> How I would forget that, I'm not really sure. Coffee Are Cockburn. Are you making this up? <laughs> no. His name is Coffee Cockburn, and he's a beast uh, inside. Um, and how I could possibly forget that name, I'm not really sure. But yes, they're they're a confident team. Um, they can shoot it from the outside. Uh, they're very talented. In a Chuck Rimbaldo censorship moment moment of the pod, I think the uh, coffee Cockburn is a beast on the inside. Might have to be <laughs> removed. I didn't say <laughs> ape. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't say. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys, if you had to root with your heart this year. Uh, who's it going to be? And let me give you some options before you answer that question. So the Ohio University Bobcats, our boys Miller and Shantz, for some time anyway, were, were part of that <laughs> university. Shantz yeah. is part of a lot of universities. Yeah, well, that's all right. Uh, St. Bonaventure, that is Mr. and Mrs. Tersick's alma mater. Yep. Oh, yeah. Ohio State, Cleveland State, kind of hometown flavor there, or is it someone else? Gerber, we'll start with you. Root with your heart. I guess I would go Cleveland State. That's where my parents went. And also because, you know, when I was a little kid and they made that run to the Sweet 16 with Mouse McFadden, I didn't understand that Cleveland State wasn't like a massive basketball powerhouse in the country. I just thought they were awesome and they were from Cleveland. So this is now my my favorite college basketball team. I'd go with CSU. Uh, fuck the Bobcats. How about you, Burke? Same question. Root with your heart. Who are you going with? Going with my heart? Jeez. Yeah. Who should I choose? All right, Burke's on Ohio State, so let's uh, <laughs> let's move on from there. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull for Cleveland State, even though they're a 15 seed. Um, I I agree that 1986 team with Mouse McFadden. I point back that is the reason I started watching college basketball. Yeah, I, I don't remember watching much college basketball prior right. to that season. Yeah. It was something that was it was on all the time because it was local. Yeah, so I got to see all the games. That team 
began my fandom at the college basketball uh, level. So I'm going to pull for Cleveland State. Who was the guy they lost to in the uh, Sweet 16? Lost to Indiana. Was it Villanova? Was it Villanova? Navy. David Robinson. Oh, yeah. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. And he got away with some crap, and that's why they lost. That jerk. <laughs> yeah. I'm still angry. So I'm still 40 angry. 40 years later. Wow. I can still picture him charging over our guy. Uh, you know, that should have been offensive. Fire. Our guy. <laughs> Whatever yeah, his I, name was. <laughs> I can't remember all the names. I remember Mouse McFadden. That's enough, right? All right, fellas. Good luck to both of you in the annual Cat Tank Championship. Uh, let's take our final break and come back and talk about some off-the-field topics. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Tammy, I'm getting really sick of something. Ugh, what's that? The kids? No, well, maybe a little. But really, I'm getting sick and tired of all this hair right on the top of my head. It's everywhere up there, and it's really bugging me. Jason, I think I know what you need. You do? What? You need Just for Danko Miracle Hair Remover. What? A hair remover? How does that work? It's easy. Rub Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover on the top of your head and watch your hair disappear. Holy cow. A product like that must be really expensive. You would think, but you would be wrong. For less than the cost of two haircuts, you can be really bald every day. Should I try it? Hells yeah, baby. Other than your face, your body, and your height, just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover will have you looking like Dwayne The Rock Johnson in no time. Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover for men. Sick of hair? Grab some Denko. All right, welcome back everyone to our final segment. This is our off the field segment. And I'd like to start tonight's discussion with a really, really deep and exciting dive into the Grammys that are happening tonight. Were you aware that the Grammys are happening tonight? Yes. Uh, all right, excellent. Bert, were you aware of that? <laughs> No. Okay. This is good. This is going to make for great podcasting. So on a scale of nine to 14, nine being excited <laughs> like Shantz is to do weekend pushups and 14 to be excited like the Kembe Mutombo is swatting grocery store items out of the hands of shoppers in the Geico commercial. How are excited are you for tonight's Grammys, Gerber? I, I guess I'd be uh, like a 10 and a half or an 11, somewhere in there. The Grammys are one of the big ones. I think there are too many awards shows. But, you know, Grammys, Oscars, Emmys, you know, those are all, you know, worth something, I think. I actually looked through the list of the artists and the awards that are up for tonight. And I like I didn't know anybody who's on there. So I guess like I'm a lower number just because I'm so far out of the mainstream music loop now that I don't know who Billy Illish is. No idea who that person Eilish. is. There's somebody named Lupa. Dua, Dua Lipa. Dua Lupa. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing a pretty good job, man. Sure. Okay. Yeah, Those are course. names that I saw. I, I actually, before we started, I was listening to a Spotify playlist of the <laughs> Grammys songs. Beyonce has a song that's nominated that's actually really, really good. So, so maybe I'm maybe I'm on a, a, a 12. 12. 12 is 12, what I am. 12 sounds good. And I got to tell you, you are, without a doubt, more prepared for this segment than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just, just yes. for everything you just said. So, so Burke, same same scale. Let me review. Nine, Chance doing weekend push-ups. 14, the Kembe Matumbo swatting breakfast cereal across sure. the aisle. Where you at? Uh, I'm a six. I think all these shows are a joke. <laughs> I hate every one of these people. Jeez. I think I think I think them sitting there petting each other on the ass for their uh, you know performances is a joke right now. People are trying to get back to their lives, and these people are getting together for award shows. It's virtual. Uh, it's, 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 right, virtual. It's, it's, it's virtual. Guess what? It's virtual. It, they're getting Guess together what? the same way we are right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Fuck them. All right. I got you down for a six, man. I I, I got you. I, I want to go over some of the there's 84 awards given in the in the Grammys. So we're gonna we're gonna go through all 84 of them, if you don't mind. And they get very, very specific. 84 uh, too much. Yeah. I agree with Gerber. Um I'm I'm not a big fan of award shows. I'm not as hateful toward it as, as you, Tommy, but I always thought the Grammys of all the award shows, because it was music and a lot of the nominated folks were able to perform live in the past at the Grammys. I always thought that kind of set this award show ahead of the others because it was always interesting to see the live music. So the top three, uh, we're really not going to go through 84 categories. I hope I didn't lose any of our nine listeners. Uh, the top. <laughs> the we top have like three. 20. 
20 yeah, listeners? Come on. Right. Yeah. So the top three Grammy Double categories digits. are Song of the Year, Album of the Year, and Record of the Year. Song of the Year, Album of the Year, Record of the Year. What's the difference between album and record? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so Record of the Year goes to people involved in crafting the specific recording of a song. Okay. One song. One song? Correct. To compare that to a song of the year, that recognizes the songwriters who wrote and composed the song. Album of the year honors everyone who was involved in making the album, the artists, the producers, recording engineers, mixers, mastering, and engineers. Best of albums are not eligible for this category. 51% of the album's content must be new. I thought that was pretty comical. <laughs> only, so only, only 51%? Only 51%. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So going back to record of the year for this year's, we've got Beyonce on the list. Black Pumas, The Baby, Doja Cat, Post Malone, Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, and Megan The Stallion. We know Gerber has already listened to some of those. <laughs> Burke, have you listened to any of those artists on purpose or by accident? Maybe by accident. I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> and uh, probably because of my kids, I've probably heard some of this stuff. I have no idea who these people are. I, I don't know any of those people, and uh, I'm actually kind of happy I don't. Well, I thought uh, you guys would have good answers for the accidental listening to the uh, songs because you both have kids that are between teenage years and 20-something. So to review Album of the Year nominations, we have, and I'm going to butcher these names, just so you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jenhei Aiko, Black Pumas, Coldplay, I've heard of them, Jacob Collier, Taylor Swift, another familiar voice, Haim, Dua Lipa, and Post Malone. So again, uh, Burke. Have you yes, listened sir. to any of those entire albums? Just say no. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> no. But, uh, Dua Lipa, I have heard on Sirius. Black Puma. I, I've never even heard of that at all. I, I don't know where that comes from. Black Panther sidekick in the Marvel movie, but I could be wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah? Was it? <laughs> and parlayed that into that a recording that, career? I like <laughs> yeah, that, man. That's yeah. talent. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on record here and say that we are probably the least prepared for this category. Oh, yeah. Compared to any category we've ever talked about in the past. So I want to switch it up a little bit and, and, and still in the Grammy theme. What I'd like you guys to think about is if you had to pick a song and an album that you each listened to this past week in your life to win the song of the week and album of the week in your personal life, what would it be, Gerber? Album of the week. I started listening to a guy named Longhorn Slim came out with a new album called strawberry mansion and he's kind of like a blues like folky guy that would be my album at one point during the week tammy had me listening to a playlist of springsteen songs that were live that i i had just never heard before and a song called leap of faith which i think is on um the human touch album it was a live version i'd never heard before and it was just outstanding it was one of those songs by Springsteen that it's not one of his good songs. Like it's not a good song, um, but there's still something about it. If you're like a big fan and you hear it, you're like, oh man, yeah, that was, there's some cool lines in that song. There's some cool parts. Uh, it sounds fantastic live. So uh, that's a really cool question, Danko. Burke, how about you? Song of the week, album of the week. I think I'm actually coming around to, you know, some of the music that my, young kids, my young kids, <laughs> no, not, not do it. The weekend to me is actually somebody that I uh, I think is actually talented and has some good songs. And uh, Save Your Tears is a good song from his latest album. But actually a song, and Gerber will enjoy this, I think, in the last week for whatever reason, while I've been working on it, I've actually been doing some walking and stuff lately that hasn't killed my back, thank God. Good. I was listening to some Bruce, Brilliant Disguise. Uh, that song, uh, it gets me a little bit for me, I, I need lyrics to actually coincide with things in my life and stuff like that. And that, that one just, uh, it actually kind of does in a way. I don't know, but it just, you I know, certainly I certainly think it does. I want, <laughs> that's, I want, that's not a leap, buddy. <laughs> right. I want song. I want songs that actually were the, the lyrics. And it's funny. I've always been laughed about, you know, left at that. I, I analyze like lyrics of every song and I always do. Um, I want meaning from songs and if they don't actually give me meaning i don't want to listen to the song really disguise is one of those songs where i feel like it it relates and uh i feel it so i i listen to it you know music is is extremely personal and and the headspace you're in at any moment plays a huge role in 
how that song feels as you're walking, as you're working, as you're working out, as you're driving, whatever it might be. So there are no wrong answers here. That's the beauty of this question. Uh, I had to look my playlist up for the last week because I, I knew that I was kind of all over the map for a variety of reasons. So my, my song of the week, I actually did listen to um, Electric Relaxation off of the Midnight Marauders album cool. by A Tribe Called Good Quest. One. So that was, nice. a, that was a great track for my song of the week. And then my album, the only album I listened to all week front to back was still Medicine at Midnight by the Foo Fighters. So I went with that with my, my album of the week. I went back and looked up the albums we discussed from the 1991 release date. So that would be, if you follow me here, that would be the 1992 Grammys would have reflected those albums. So I went back and looked them up and almost none of them were nominated for anything. I think that's probably really our commentary on the Grammys. (laughs) Right. All right. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see if any of this stuff is good or not. Mm -hmm. Well, moving on from the Grammys today is March 14th which is Pi Day. It's Pi Day because 3.14 is the mathematical representation of Pi. Uh, and as exciting as mathematical relevance uh, of Pi would be to discuss, you know, talking about the, the ratio, of how the ratio of the diameter and circumference of every circle is the same, or that if you write it out to 22 decimal points, every single numeral is represented at some point in that chain of numbers. Um, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Pi Day in this way. We're going to talk about pizza and we're going to talk about dessert. Burke, if you had to pick a pizza pie and then a dessert pie as a perfect pairing for dinner, what would it be? My perfect pizza is from Angelo's and it's the meatball pizza. Um, That's a place in Lakewood. Um, They got some of the best pizza around, period. Um, My pie is uh, chocolate cream pie. That's my that's my pie. Great. Gerber, same question. Pizza pie and dessert pie. Pizza, I would go with deep dish pepperoni from Giordano's in Chicago. Chicago. We had one in Vegas too. Um, That was really fantastic pizza. I'm not a huge deep dish guy, but theirs was was really good. I I think I'm probably pretty boring guy. Uh, Apple pie would do it for me for dessert, like apple pie with like maybe some ice cream on it or something. Follow up question. Have you ever eaten pizza pie and dessert pie in the same sitting? Only because I was at CeCe's with my kids and it was at uh, <laughs> okay. buffet pizza or whatever. And everybody had different pizzas and they had the dessert ones. Dessert too. pizzas? Yeah, oh, that's that's sure. impressive. I, I was actually going to guess that the answer was going to be no, because who saves room for dessert when you're eating no, pizza? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Right. Yeah, right. I've got to say no. I don't think I've ever been to a CeCe's pizza before. So I'm going to go no that I've never had both pies in one meal. You might be the reason why the CC's is probably going out of business. Uh, I believe it's <laughs> almost done. All right, guys. Well, I could not think of a better segue into discussing Tom Burke's weight <laughs> yeah. loss. Yes. <laughs> so, nice. Yes. So, so Pizzas <laughs> and desserts. <laughs> Burke, where are we at, man? Where are we at this week? Let's see. I was at 31 and a half, I think last week. Uh, I'm at 33 and a half. So I lost two in the last week. Yeah, I'm Excellent. feeling good. Um, what's been great is the... Uh, the weather's been getting better. So um, what I'm doing is uh, after a while of working, I'm actually taking some long walks, which for a while there, walking has actually been horrible on my back. And thank God it's getting to the point where walking has, hasn't just been killing my lower back. So that's been good. So I've been able to do that in the middle of it besides, you know, biking and doing, you know, the push-ups that we've been doing. That's been going well. I took the the family to uh, B-dubs yesterday to watch the Buckeyes game. And I actually walked, you know, they left and I walked home from there. It was like a two mile walk. Did you know they were leaving? <laughs> I told them to leave. I actually said, get the hell out of here so I can watch the second half of the game. So no, they, so they left and I watched the second half of the game. And I was able to walk home and uh, there was some pain, but it wasn't so so bad and so but that was good by them you know at least able to start walking longer distances where it's not gonna to bother me so you're already making fantastic progress i mean yeah. you're down yeah no kidding over 30 pounds you're you're biking you're walking i'm assuming you're doing all 125 push-ups <laughs> that, we're, yes. that we're doing each day yeah. yeah so keep it up man this that's excellent well boys we are out of time and i am out of questions for now so have a great week and let's do this again real soon nice work Sounds tonight good. denko Thanks for, right. thanks for stepping in, brother. Have a good Absolutely, one, guys. Man.
Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, all right, we'll start that over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good. Yeah, I already told it's gonna be good. Yeah, I, I need to get my bourbon. This is a, this is my I think my first pod without. Oh yeah. Well. All right, let's start with you tonight, Tom. I think we need to start going to these young guys. Bobby Bradley's got a nice dick, and he's he's been having a great spring. Um, yeah, yeah, nice stick. That's what I said. Um, and, uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, you gotta go, you gotta go to that. I, I, I don't know if there's anybody playing a different position that you would want to necessarily move. Um, although Rosario, um, the other Rosario, not Eddie Rosario, but, uh, Ahmed, I think Rosario is the other guy, um, who is a guy who, uh, they're actually, you know, they were looking at his shortstop. Of course, Jimenez is going to be the, the shortstop. Uh, Rosario is a guy that maybe, you know, you, you maybe look at second base. Of course, that's Cesar Hernandez. Um, they're actually looking at him at center field, too, um, which makes, you know, Mercado and uh, those guys maybe think, okay, are we not doing the job, you know, kind of thing. Um, so, so your answer is no. <laughs> you could have said no. <laughs> Okay, you 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 can just you can just uh, get rid of my whole answer if you want. No, no, no. It was, it was I I like to provoke the thought there. Um, okay, Gerber. So I keep getting text messages saying that I've won things from Amazon. Do you think this is legit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh yeah, that. I would, I would <laughs> answer that. Definitely answer that. Do I have a minute to use the restroom? Yeah, please do. Care. Please Thanks. do. Yeah, we'll probably finish up while you're in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like those dicks. <laughs> I know he said something. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> oh, oh, that's God. hilarious. Burke, how you feeling, man? Great. I'm we sure finished. Were, we uh, finished the. We finished the pod while you were in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> no, the best part. Was, I did. Like I did. I did your part about me while I was gone. Yeah. I did. The, the, I did the your weight part. loss one. You lost thirty-five <laughs> pounds this week. You're down a total of sixty-six and a half now. It was right. an amazing week. <laughs> yeah. Lost Actually, all of the was, shit. I liked as I was putting my my shit down. I, I just see <laughs> laughing like crazy. So I'm sure and, and it was the, all all positive. Nah, I'm sure the it was best part of that. The best part of that was we were just watching you watch us. We weren't saying anything <laughs> about you, but we knew you were like, well, look at that. What are those guys <laughs> saying? What are those dicks yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like they're having a good time. Yeah. yeah, great. No, no. So we weren't talking about <clears> you at all. Nice. All right, so let's. Uh, Let's get through this last segment, boys. 